about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. So, uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word that you're going to be putting forth. And I just pray it goes on, um, that it'll land, uh, that your word, you just use me as a vessel, and that your anointed word will land on listening ears, seeing eyes, and softened hearts ready to receive. And I just pray that it'll resonate in their heart like that it did to mine, the way my heart just dances when you gave this word to me. I just thank you for this. And uh, we just give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. So anyways, um, you guys, I don't know if you're like me, and sometimes you question things (laughs) when you read them. But um, I know know I'm a studier, and I sometimes study too deep. And I just want to let you know, I'm not teaching all of this tonight, but I included a teaching. So I won't, don't sit there and think, oh, we're going to get out of here at 11. (laughs) So, but... Uh, as you can see, um, God's been working on me here, and that's a good thing, isn't it? So yeah. the COVID time for me has just been wonderful. I got put in time out, and I don't ever want to have to go back there again, so I'm trying to make sure I come out changed. And I'm going to be real honest. I'm not ready to come out of time out. I just, uh, I, I um, when about four years ago, God put it on my heart to study in times. So I bought this big, big teaching, a couple teachings from Perry Stone, and I started on them, okay? And then I have the Dake Bible, and I read that, and I read his whole notes through it. And, but, you know, reading and studying are just totally different, especially if you're going to read the book of Revelations. Plus, there's like 150 chapters on end times, okay? So it's definitely not just, that's the uh, one little section, all right? So uh, then... I started and my sister's cancer came back and we changed over to faith and healing. So COVID came and I'm like, oh my gosh, Susan, if you would just listen to God four years ago, why didn't you just pick it right back up afterwards, you know? And there's a lot, there's, there's a lot to learn. And I've been on a mission and it's been a journey and it's been rough and it's been hard and it's been fun. <laughs> And as I've been enlightening, and um, I'm definitely not done, is there's just so much there. I don't know if I, I or anybody else could be done. But so in any ways, Perry Stone has 130,000 hours into the Bible. And um, I'm not getting a lot of things. And, and on end times, there's a lot of things that are mysteries that are not in black and white. And you have to try to find, and basically you have to hear from the Lord and get your revelations. And the more I studied, and I have books laid out everywhere, and the more I studied, I think I got something, and I, my mind would go blank. I talked to Luann, I said, I know nothing. I mean, I don't even don't know if I remember a chapter anymore. I was just like, I was just getting so, it was tough for me, okay? <laughs> yep. So it, it, it was, it was a tough, okay? So... Anyways, I said, I'm putting everything aside, God, and you just got to teach me. This is just all there is. I'm asking, you got to teach, period. Laying the Bible out, everything else goes away. Because I also had, I had four different 
pastors that I listen to, they're big teachings. And even though they would be pretty much the same, they're different perspectives, different ideas, different anointings, different, right? So God started teaching me. And um, it's, so that part has been good. So I, I have peace now. I, I, we need to know we're the believers. Who are, who's everybody else going to come to, okay, to get answers, right? So I had this urgency inside me, and I don't think I put it there. God did. So I have to finish my journey. But anyways, so while I'm talking, while I'm reading, I saw the words water to wine, and I don't know about you, but I always wanted to know I don't get Jesus' first miracle. I'm sorry, God. It just doesn't make sense to me. Even when I study everybody else's teachings, it doesn't make sense. All your other miracles are about deliverance. They're about healing. Why? Why water to wine? I get it. At a wedding? Yep, I know the whole story about it's good wine. I know that it's aged wine already good. But that's not it. That's not the teaching. I, I, I just know that's not the reason. I'm thinking, oh, he wants everybody to understand that he loves and he cares about us. Didn't matter what I come up with. I'm saying, God, that's not it. There's a reason. Well, I, I didn't get the reason, and I honest, I didn't really study a lot. I just kept saying, somebody else was going to feed it to me. Do you ever do that? You know, thinking I'm going to get it from somebody else. Okay, but I wasn't. So all of a sudden, this is how fast and easy God did it to me. I didn't deserve it, but I saw wider to wine, and it was like he downloaded the whole thing to me. And I go, oh my gosh, I get it, I get it. I got to go John 2, I got to read it. And every sentence came alive to me, and I felt like he took this veil off the Bible, or this, not the whole Bible, I wish, but he took this veil off, and I completely understood it, and it was so simple to me. And it was like, so there really is a veil. People can be blinded, like the Jewish can be blinded for something. I understand it now. And, but after I started understanding more, I started understanding more on how to read the rest of the Bible. So it was huge for me. And it's all I did, you guys, is ask. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Ask. You got to do it, Holy Spirit. So when you knock at his door, because I kept saying, I don't deserve this. But you know what? I, it wasn't like I studied a lot on it. And I'm thinking, well, why didn't I get this a couple of years ago when I started asking? You know what I mean? But I think some of you know that I wanted to know a definition of water, you know, born of water, born of spirit, born of water and the Holy Spirit. I don't get it. What's water? Well, God said, study water. Well, that was a year long journey. And then another study I did, which you must know to understand this, was a Jewish wedding. And uh, one day when I was sitting here at church, you know, God showed me this beautiful gold solitaire ring. And he said, you're married to me. And I'm going, can't be married to him. That's at the marriage supper of the Lamb in heaven. You know, I'm saying, God, that's not right. You got it mixed up. Oh, it's an engagement ring. So I'm telling God again, you know, you got it mixed up. Yeah, that's an engagement ring anyways. You know, it's not a gold band. It's got a solitaire. So I started studying the Jewish wedding then. But now you see, sometimes we have to learn, you know, it's like going to school. You got to learn certain things before he can give you an answer, right? So I, and if I didn't understand being born of water, if I didn't understand the Jewish wedding, I was never going to understand this. So I'm going to share this with you. I'm not even going to read the first part. You've probably read about, you know, the wedding. Um, so what the wedding is, what this wedding about, is about is his wedding to us, the church. So basically, it's, it's not that hard to understand. But first, I'm going to tell you the Jewish wedding. And I didn't go into depth studying the Jewish wedding back then. But I did understand uh, that when, when um, 
a groom, a, a man asks a woman to marry him, and she accepts, you're married right then. You're married legally, the only way you, you have to get a divorce to be separated. Remember Joseph and Mary? And she was pregnant, and he wanted a divorce. They have not had the ceremony yet, but they're betrothed. So the first, what we call engagement, and the old biblical Jewish wedding is a betrothal stage, but it's legal and it's binding, okay? And, you know, he has to, the man has to usually pay a price, and then he goes back to his house and his father's house, and he prepares, but it's usually a year or two that goes by, okay? And then you go into the stage where they have the wedding, which they call the chupa. It's also the consummation stage where they're unified together because now it's the formal ceremony. So if you understand this, now you can understand, you can read this and it's not that hard, okay? So, and on the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. So I will tell you with numbers, Every, God uses numbers, and there's multiple reasons he'll use the same numbers over and over, but numbers are very, very important to God. And I realized right then, you know, one of the things that third is, is uh, when Jew, first I want to say to you, Jesus thinks in the spirit only. Do you understand? Every, he didn't do anything. He didn't say anything without listening to his father. So when his mother tells him to do something in the natural he's going to hear in the spirit and he's going to react in the spirit. So even though a lot of the Bible is literal to us, everything in the natural has a spiritual cause. Everything in the natural has a spiritual meaning. So that's why when we study, we can go deeper because we're understanding a different meaning than just what it was in the natural. And if this study is too deep for you, that's okay. You're going to get something. You can get one thing and you take it away. All right, because I know when I first started reading the word, I got so hungry and almost every pastor I listened to is too deep for me. (laughs) Okay, I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I need a crash course on the Bible fast (laughs) to understand anybody. Okay, but what it did, it's like going to a banquet table and you're full, but you know you want to come back because maybe you want dessert tomorrow and you're just going to get the dessert. So I hope today leaves you hungry for something else. And that's why I included another teaching for you to go home and be hungry and study. Okay. So just take away what you can. That's, that's all. We just come to get filled, right? That's why we're here. Okay. So also on the third day, um, God created, on the the reason that the Jewish, um, wedding is on the third day is because they usually will have a wedding and you know Sunday is the first day Monday's the second day and Tuesday's the third day but it starts the night before at sunset so this wedding here was probably on Monday evening but twice in the Bible God declares that he saw it was good on the third day the other times listed it was he said he saw it was good one time so the Jewish believe that this is the best day to have a wedding, okay? And that's why their wedding is usually on the third day. Well, we know that Jesus couldn't be married to anybody until he was resurrected on the third day, right? So his wedding to us, this is about his wedding to us, it's parallel to it. It couldn't happen until he was resurrected. So it also hit me in my heart that two days go by, we have... The day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day 
in the eyes of the Lord, right? So we've got 2,000 years, that's two days, and we'll be married at the start of the millennium, which is the third day, okay? So, and then, and then they, both Jesus and his disciples was called to the marriage. See, at first I thought, oh, because I read before it and I studied. Well, it was about the fifth day after he chose his disciples, after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit, chose some disciples, and then he went straight here, because this is his first miracle, okay? But stop and think about why were his disciples invited to a wedding that he only knew a few days, right? This wedding had to be very important to this family, probably a family member, and that's why it's even in the Bible. But Jesus and his disciples have been invited to the marriage. Well, guess what? Jesus and us, his disciples, are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You get it? Okay? So then you'll even see how much, how close it is. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, they have no wine. Now, the Jewish weddings lasted seven days, and on the first day, they're running out of wine. You get that? A lot more people showed up at this wedding than they're expected. This is huge news for the church. This is good news for us. A lot more people are going to show up to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You get it? This is huge for us. I mean, I mean, so that's a good thing. So why was this wedding so important to Mary? Why did Mary feel obligated, right? To see, these are my questions. I just run through all these things. Why is Mary the mother? I mean, if I'm going to a huge wedding, I mean, am I the one, you know, that should feel like I su- should supply wine? <laughs> you know, that wouldn't be happening. You wouldn't be going over the ruler of the feast and all that. So she's telling, you know, Jesus. So Jesus says unto him, you know, she's telling Jesus, you know, they have no wine. Well, he's the oldest son anyways, and when a mother wants something, you know, you're going to go to your oldest son usually to help take care of it, right? Well, Jesus says unto her, woman, what have I have to do with you? Mine hour is not yet come. I've heard so many times people said, oh, his mother had to tell him, you know, now's the time, start doing your miracles. Well, that never sat with me. I mean, this is the son of God. I don't think he needs his mom to tell him, start doing your first miracles. That never sat with me. I mean, at 12 years old, he's in the synagogue, and he, it didn't bother him he wasn't going to have any food for three days, did he? He's in there telling, <laughs> learning and teaching to them, right? So that didn't sit right with me. So because he only thinks in the spirit, he goes, okay, if you want me to help out, I'm going to show you what the most important wedding ever is. And I'm going to use this, and we're going to show you how, what this wedding is about. So John 5:19 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that the son, of, the son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he does, those also the son does likewise. So you see the Jesus was listening to his father and says, Go ahead and do this. This is what we're going to do. Got it? So his mother says unto the servants, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. That's probably the best piece of advice in the whole Bible. What do you think? (laughs) So, I mean, that goes across the board. Okay, now, and there were six water pots of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Six, I think we all know they're here probably. We know that six is the number of man. God created man on the sixth day. Water pots, we are a vessel, right? We're a vessel. These particular water pots are um, at a Jewish wedding because it's used for purification. They, um, 
they use them before they get married. They, they purify themselves and clean and cleanse themselves with water, all right? So also water is being born again with what? Born from the spirit of God is being born of water. You see that? So, I mean, there's just so much just right there in that one, right there. Uh, so six water pots of stone. And Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, see capital S, of the Holy Spirit and being born of water, which means being born of God. Getting your new creation, getting your spirit now born of God. Because the spirit you're given in the beginning is born of man, it's not born of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So this shows you that not only do you get the Holy Spirit, but you're getting a new spirit now born of God. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, but he that is joined into the Lord is one spirit. So now we're one spirit with the Lord because we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, aren't we? And Jesus said unto them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. Okay, what happens to us when we get born again? We get filled with the Holy Spirit, don't we? Okay, now we're not baptized in the Holy Spirit so we're not overflowing, all right? And we have to grow in the word to overflow. And it is our job to grow. It is our job to overflow. But we are immediately filled. And that's what these water pots, you see how this is like, okay, I'm going to take the water, I'm going to fill you up, and you're going to be one with me. And he says unto them, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. How many times after Jesus did a healing or a deliverance, he tell them to go show somebody, Right? And it's because our testimony is so important. If we're going to keep it to ourselves, if, if we're too afraid to share God, if we're too afraid, are we ashamed? Okay, we need to share our testimony. We need to share our faith, what we believe in, because it's so important. And this is what he's trying to teach us right, right there, right from the beginning. He's trying to teach us. 1 John 5.10 says, The one who believes in the Son of God has this testimony within him. You have the testimony of the Holy Spirit within you, and you need, it's a testimony we're supposed to speak it out. Yeah. All right? When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and he knew not whence it was, but the servants which do the water out knew. So I will tell you, when we get a new spirit, our whole DNA changes. Our thoughts, our life changes many times. It may take a little while, but your life changes and your actions change, right? Yes. And there are going to be people that know you that maybe think they know you very well. They could be teachers. They could be family members. They could be friends. They could be a pastor if you weren't in a Holy Spirit-filled place, right? <laughs> okay, it, it, but they are not going to know what's going on in your life. They're going to say, what's going on, right? Have any of you had that happen? They're like, Where, how did all this change? Okay. Um, so then, um, let me see where I'm at. John 20, 25. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord, but he, this is Thomas talking, said unto them, except I shall see in the hands and the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Some people aren't going to believe until they can see. So Thomas is a, a real good of example of someone that's a disciple that should know what is going on, and just doesn't 
I mean, how many miracles did he see, right? So this could be an example of somebody like who's running the wedding and maybe should know what's going on, but where did this wine come from, correct? Okay, so in the natural, we do try to impress one another, so especially at a wedding. But if you think about how deceptive that is, because it says, the governor of the feast called unto the bridegroom and said unto him, every man at the beginning does set forth good wine, and when men have drunk well, then that which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. Like, why in the world did you keep it till now? Well, why at a wedding, when we're having our friends and family over, do we give them good wine, and then after they had something to drink, give them the cheap stuff? <laughs> I mean, do we really care about them? <laughs> you know what I mean? Think, think about what, what we do in the natural. I mean, that God doesn't do that to us. He doesn't say, uh, the longer you're with me, I'm just going to give you less. He's good to us all the time. He created us good in the beginning. Okay, just like in the, they're saying in the beginning, we gave you good wine, and then later you gave us, well, we were given, we were created good in the beginning, we drank from the world. You get it? Now, God came and has a plan, and he says, what I do for you is good. I'm bringing my son in. I'm giving you his blood, his wine to drink, and it's good. So we need to understand the difference of the world and of man and what we have. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So this is what we've been given, able to drink. When we drink, when we drink of communion, you need to understand we're drinking of his blood, which is forgiveness of sins. Yes, it's, it's cleansing. But we, it's communion. You should be having supper with them. Okay, so this is the betrothal stage. In the betrothal stage in a Jewish wedding, the bride is away from her husband for a year or two. You understand? Just like us with Jesus. It's really being married in the spirit, right? Even them in the natural back then, it was being married in the spirit. You weren't with your husband. Okay, but now the same way that we would sit and have dinner with our husband when we have communion, we're having dinner with our husband. Do you get it? It's about having sup with him. It's about having fellowship with him. That's what communion is. Yes, does it have a deeper meaning? Yes, there's a reason for it. There's cleansing, there's forgiveness of sins, there's healing, there's deliverance. But it's also, we're already married to him, you guys. Once you accept Christ in your life, you're married to him right there. You're one in his spirit. You're not gonna be one in the body till he resurrects your body and brings you up. Okay, then you're one in the natural. So this is showing you now how it's one in the spirit. And so communion to you should be having sup with him, all right? Okay, so then the next one, this, be, this is the beginning of the miracles Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Um, Jesus started his ministry with a miracle and I don't know about you, but I kept thinking in my mind, if there's such thing as his least miracle that he could have had, the others seemed like healing and deliverance was so much more important. And now I realize this was the most important that he ever did. This is telling you God's plan for man right away, how I'm coming to save you. He took this simple miracle and was hoping that somebody would understand, okay, now 
I understand, I love you, you're gonna have a marriage and this wedding means a lot, but there's no, no wedding that's gonna be more important than the wedding of you to me. And this is what he's telling you. And then, then, then I asked, you know, actually I didn't even ask God this, I was pressure cleaning and he told me this. I'm, I'm telling you, sometimes, do you ever get things sometimes like, why now, are you kidding me? You wouldn't stop talking. <laughs> So he was telling me wine, you know, it's a symbolization of, of the blood of Jesus. Of course, it's red. But wine back then was a lot different than it is to us now. You know, they didn't have clean water. They didn't have pasteurized milk. Uh, this, was a, this was a cleansing of their body. They needed it in them to cleanse their body, to keep uh, toxins out of their body. All right. It's different than it is now. But God threw these words out to me, and he said that, you know, red wine is good for your heart, you know? And then he told me that it's uh, full body. And then I realized, I looked it up, and it's like it says, when you describe red wine, it is described as rich and weighty. It is described as sweet, and it's lively and fresh. And then I put in there, like, why the antioxidants are, you know, I put that in there showing that what it does is a cleansing to your heart and why they drank it back then. They didn't always drink it with alcohol. They drank it both ways. But that is why the, the vine, this is why God used it. You know, I am the vine, you are the branches. Wine grow, the grapes grow on a vine. It's very important that he used it. It's a symbolization, but it's also very important of why he used that. So then, like I told you, I never did these studies to the end, I started it, I started reading. But then God started showing me, and you know how he gives you something, and then he just grows it, right? And the more it's just stewing in my head over and over. And then I started realizing when I started studying a Jewish wedding, it was like bells and whistles are going off, and I'm like, oh my gosh. The whole Jewish wedding, you guys, is just a parallel, not only to the wedding of Christ, but the whole plan for God. You know, I'm coming back, I'm marrying you, and the whole end times, you guys, we need to understand, we think of it as trial and tribulations and hard times, okay? We are at the beginning of the end times. We're in what the Bible calls the birthing pains. And if anybody's ever had a baby before, me, okay, I will tell you that you can go through all kinds of changes in your body. And they start right away. It doesn't just happen when everybody else sees it. All right, they start. You have all kinds of changes that prepare you. And sometimes they're painful and sometimes you're like, what is going on, right? And I was very, very small. I was like a size three. And so my body had to go through a lot of pains. I could lay there and hear my hips cracking, just laying there. It was kind of scary, but no baby was gonna get through that. <laughs> Do you understand? I had to get prepared. You see? And that's what we're doing right now. We are, God's preparing us. That's why it's birthing pains. Sometimes it's false labor. Sometimes we're feeling like this is really hard. But the more you can go through things, the more you uh, build up a tolerance, the more it's going to change your character, the more you're going to be able to endure, correct? The more you're going to understand, the more you're going to be like me, get our urgency to understand. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? So it's something that we're going through, but it's for the end times because, you see, they had a contract uh, with the wedding. So if you look, I'm not going to go through the scriptures that I put through here with everything, but here's a parallel of the wedding. 
And you'll see what I mean by how it explains. It's amazing how it explains the end times. First, the bride is selected by the father and or the son or an agent of the father. That's the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. So you can see in red, so I put the black there is what a Jewish wedding is. And you can see how it relates to uh, now. All right. And then I put scriptures to show exactly why it relates tonight. I'm not going to re read all of them. Um, and then there's an arrangement made with a price for the bride. And we all know Jesus paid the price for us, correct? We're the bride. Amen. Then the betrothal stage, which means you're legally married with a contract. It usually lasts one or two years. And our New Testament is our contract. And it'll be about 2,000 years before Christ comes back to pick us up, right? Okay, so if you have a contract with Jesus... If he says, you know, I want to be married to you, that contract that the Jewish wedding had, it wasn't just one way. It was a two-party. They, they agreed. Do you understand? They agreed on what was going to do it. So I don't know about you, but I put some thought into it. If Jesus says, do you want to marry me, right? I'm going to say, yeah, but you know, I don't want to live in this earth for eternity. I can't deal with sickness and pain and sin and evil and drama and trauma. What do you think? Wouldn't that be what you'd be saying? That's got to go. We're talking about eternity. It's hard enough to just do the amount of years we have to do. So that would be my first thing. You know, up there, what you got in heaven sounds good, you know, but I need something different for eternity. So that's, I can guarantee you what the church would add in our side of the contract, right? And guess what? It's in the New Testament. You see, it's there. This is what the tribulation is about. The tribulation is for us, the church. It's to hold up to our end of the contract. It's to give us what we want. It's to weed out the evil and get the evil out. It's for us to be married to him and all that gone. How we would want to live forever with him, okay? So it's, it's amazing if you understand that that is exactly what a Jewish wedding is about. So then you have the consent of the bride. So once we accept Christ in our life, we're now married to him. You need to understand, if you have accepted Christ into your life, you're married to him right now, all right? You're married in the spirit, but you're not married in the physical yet. And then there's the drinking of the first cup. Um, that they will drink a cup together, which is uh, the betrothal stage, but the second cup they do not drink until when the marriage supper of the Lamb, okay? And, and what did Jesus say? I will not drink again of this cup until I'm with you in the kingdom of the Father, all right? All right, then they have gifts to the bride. We receive the Holy Spirit. That is our gift, sealed with a promise, you guys. This is our promise. This is our gift. But also, I put on here that the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings, all right? I put that on there, too. And then they have something called a washing at mikvah, which is a place of um, that they go of purification um, and they, it's a cleansing. It's kind of like, you know how we would have a bridal shower? Well, this is the women get together and they cleanse and they have scented oil and baths, whatever. And they, it, it's, a, it's a big to do all day, all right? And that's their cleansing to be pure of getting rid of everything old because she's starting a new life, okay? And this is what our baptism is. Um, then the bridegroom goes back to the father's house to prepare a chamber of his wife. Is that amazing? Is that amazing how, what he does? 
okay? Then there's the consecration of the bride. She must remain pure. We must remain pure and faithful, don't we? We can't go into idolatry. We, when we accept him in our life, he's our king. We are not supposed to have other kings. We're supposed to have one king in our life. So we're supposed to be doing the same thing. And in a Jewish wedding, they can ask for a divorce, even in the betrothal stage, and we can do the same. And there's only one sin that's unforgiven, and that's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But stop and think about the Holy Spirit is your promise. That is what is actually um, being the commitment. It's like your sealing of the deal. This is, your, this is the gift you receive for being married. So basically, it's like giving back a wedding band if, if you're getting divorced, or do you see what I'm saying? So that's why blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not forgiven. You just broke the commitment seal. So uh, the bridegroom returns to pick up his wife. This is, this is how they do a Jewish wedding, you guys. He's in the father's house. The bridegroom comes back to pick up his wife, and it's usually in the middle of the night at a sound of a trump. Usually somebody else announcing it beforehand. They'll bring a group, like, you know, coming to pick the bride up. She does not know when it's going to be. The groom does not know when it's going to be. Only the father knows. Is that amazing? Just like just like it is in the Bible, just like I'm telling you, it's the exact same thing. And even with the sound of a trump, that's what's amazing to me. So that she leaves her lamp oil burning, just like they do with the ten virgins, okay? Because you need to be prepared. You need to have a light on. They didn't have street lights. He, the, your groom needs to find you. He needs to still be there for him. You need to, it's a way of saying, I'm here, don't forget about me. I'm still waiting for you. Some of them, in the story of the ten virgins, some of them kind of gave up, didn't they? Or thinking, well, I can get oil tomorrow. So so basically what this is, is explaining the rapture. It's explaining the rapture here of God, of Jesus coming to get us, to bring us to be married. So then there's a procession to the Father's house. And I put this here, and I want to read this. Matthew 25, 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. And you see, it's the angels. We're, we're going to be, we're going to, not only is Jesus come, but his angels are coming. And it's a procession going back. So it's amazing how this is all describing the end times. When, when I started studying the end times, I started out telling you about the end times. What did God give me? He gave me John 2. I didn't link it together. That's why I say I didn't deserve it. I was studying in times. Do you get it? Like, why are you giving me this? It took me a while to understand. He sent me to other places later, but he started out with this. I just didn't put it together right away. It took me a while to, to figure it all out. And that's why it was exciting for me. And then they stand there something called a chupa, which is like, we would call it like a gazebo outside. You know, outside, they stand under that. And that's when you're together in the physical, and it's, the, it's, it's showing uni- unity. Now we're in the natural with them. Before, before you guys, right now, we're married to Jesus in the spirit, and later we're married to him in the natural, in the physical. When he brings us back, we're married to him in the physical. And then there's the wedding supper of the Lamb. After that is their ceremony, and it's the wedding supper of the Lamb. And... Um, 
every Jewish wedding had two witnesses. And what were the witnesses? I mean, the witnesses that you're gonna have at your wedding are gonna people that you know, that love you, that trust you, that maybe help you with your walk before, but help you with your walk afterwards. That's what it, a witness is for a wedding, correct? Okay, well, it's the same thing. God is gonna send us two witnesses. And if you read this one scripture right here, you can tell very easily who it is. You know, one is gonna have power to shut up to shut the sky and the other has power over waters of turning blood water to blood i mean it tells you to the to the witnesses are right there elijah and moses okay so then there's blessings spoken over and i showed you a script right right there where we will be blessed and it, and he says right blessed are they which are called to the marriage supper of the lamb then we're going to be drinking from the second cup of the wine just like jesus said i will not drink of it until i am with you in my father's kingdom and then they have something called the breaking of the glass. At the end of a wedding, they break a glass. It's a symbolization of the temple being broken. And uh, it's um, basically it, it, the ending of... It. I wrote down there the cup of wrath of God because one thing that we have asked for that, that is in the Bible that, we're, that people are always praying for, and even the people that are having their heads cut off during tribulation are says, when are you going to avenge our enemies? Even the ones in hem heaven are saying, more is happening. When are you going to avenge our enemies? But so we are going to be coming back with him, and we are going to be participating. When he comes back as a king on white horses, we're going to be on white horses with him. And we are going to be participating in that war. And the only ones left are the wicked. Do you understand? The evil ones that we want out. And I, you know, I pray to God, it's just the demons and Satan and the false prophet and the antichrist. Do you see what I'm saying? Because, so this is so important. So then the, then the couple gets a year off and what are we getting with Jesus? Millennium, all right? So you can see how that's all the end times, which is great. But the most important page here, you guys, is this last page. And this is telling us, excuse me, what our job is for us. Pastor last Sunday was trying to say how we are a chosen generation. Amen. And he, uh, oh, it's like I already had this put together. And I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. What he was saying, it was just like resonating in my spirit because we are, you guys, we are the forerunners. And, you know, there may be some of us still here going through this, but the forerunners are so important. Stop and think about John the Baptist. He paved the way for Jesus to come. He came in first with, with one word that was so important. And you guys, if you take anything away from what I just said today, it's, a, it's, it's about what the forerunners do and why we're here. And we are to be delivering the same message. You see, John the Baptist was paving the way for Jesus to come. And that's what we're here for. This generation now, we are here to pave the way for Jesus to come. We need to be speaking, repent. We need to be speaking the love of God, how good he is. We need to show people this isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing for us. We wanted the enemy gone. We're going to get the enemy gone, okay? And one thing God said to me, he just showed me this. He showed me the word exodus, just showed it to me. And I go, okay, I know you're taking me to the 10 plagues of Egypt, you know, and but they were in Egypt, and so were the Israelites. 
and the Israelites were still protected, weren't they? Do you get it? All right. So it's very important. God's elect is going to be protected, and you need to trust in him and know that. And just like Pastor was saying, you know, this is not a time to be down and out. This is a time for the church to be excited. This is a time for the church to bring people in. We are here to enlarge the kingdom. Many people will say that this is going to be a time that we're going to see a billion souls one to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, stop and think about COVID. How many people have died all alone? No doctor can help them. They can't even have their family members by their side, can they? I wonder how many people have been brought into the kingdom because they're looking to God, aren't they? Right? So people are coming in more than we know. And what we need to understand, COVID is just a distraction, you guys. We cannot let the distraction stop from what's really going on. We're going to have a lot more things going on, but we can't let it distract us from what our job is, because that's what the enemy is trying to do, is to distract us. This is our time to grow. This is our time to flow. This is a time to learn and, and to be prepared and be ready, just like the 10 virgins. You need to understand, don't be scared of it, we use the wisdom that God gives us, correct? Yes. Be prepared. I mean, there's, there's three. This is, this is one. The ten virgins is one. Then there's the, uh, you know, the rich man, which is a total. I'm not going to go into the different ones. But we have three stories explaining the wedding of Christ to us, okay, and how it's going to go about. So we need to use that. And... Um, what I wanted to show you is us, I put some scriptures here about uh, the, us being forerunners and about how John the Baptist was the greatest. So we need to understand we are a chosen generation because we're doing the same thing, okay? Okay, so the effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That particular statement to me is what made me dig in the Bible. I started around 10 or 11 years ago. And I was going through some really hard times, and I saw that scripture. I looked up effectual, I looked up fervent, and I looked up righteous, and I'm like, I can make it come from my heart, and I can do it often. I don't know how I'm going to be righteous, but I'm going to find a way to do it. Well, I didn't, I started reading the Bible, yet I didn't know I was already righteous by the blood of Jesus. Do you understand? So I thought I had this big job to do, and I was, I was determined to know this Bible inside and out, and somehow or another, I was going to find an answer in there on how to be righteous. Well, I found my answer. <laughs> a lot easier than I thought. Woo! <laughs> you know? Because I wasn't getting anywhere doing it on my own, let me tell you. So that was good. You know, the blood of Jesus, you're righteous. So thank God. So we do have to repent. We do need to confess our sins to one another. But the good thing is, is it's our prayers, you guys. We are powerful in our prayers, okay? And we need to be praying for America, for our president, for our, you know, for the world, we need to be praying for our city, for our governors. I mean, this is so important, and I know the pastor speaks it all the time, but we can change things. Our prayers can change things. And I put a couple of scriptures here. Malachi 4, 5. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers a reconciliation produced by repentance, so that I will not 
come and strike the land with a curse of complete destruction. Do you see our prayers can change things from being catastrophic? And we need to understand that. We're going to have to go through some things. The world's going to have to go through some things. The enemy has to be exposed. The enemy is exposed at COVID. But we, we can't act like that's the only enemy. And we're going to think this is the only enemy we're fighting. You, it's like a Trojan horse. You need to be prepared for what's behind COVID. Can you see that? All right. So Luke... Um, See, I skipped ahead. Okay, so the Hebrew Jewish year is 5780, which is the year of the mouth. The American year 2020, we use for vision, don't we? God wants to see with our spiritual eyes, and he wants to let us use our mouth to complain, to proclaim the year of the Lord. Is that good? Luke 21, 14, 15. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all of your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. So what we need to understand, we need to be speaking the word of God. We need to let, just like Jesus did, he listened to the Father before he knew what to do at that wedding. We need to be hearing from the Lord. We need to start listening to our spirit. And before we speak, we need to be hearing from the Lord. It's the year of the mouth. It's, it's the year of spiritual eyes. And we need to be using them. Luke 14, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Every time I hear this or read this, I receive this as that for me. Okay? Like, I'm the one saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. Okay? This is what I'm here for. And, and you have to receive this. You have to receive this. You have to understand what that's for. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, they will hear, then will I hear from heaven, and will get, forgive their son, and I will heal their land. So we're forgiven, and God will heal our land. Even though we're going to go through things, God's going to heal us. We're, we're going to be giving, when, when anybody is pregnant, when I was going through a lot of different things, it didn't matter if I was in pain, I knew there was joy at the end. I knew where my prize was. We need to keep our eyes on the prize. We need to know that we're going to be delivering this baby, that it's all for the good, that this is not just a hard thing. We've got to get our eyes off the pain. Do you see what I'm saying? We've got to focus on what is yet to come. It's not the end of the world. It's the end of the age. It's the end of the age of the wicked. Got it? Okay, that's all it is. It's the end of the age of the wicked. We are going to be joined in to Christ, and we are going to be living eternity and love and peace and joy. Who could not celebrate that? That's the best wedding in the world, right? Isn't it? <laughs> so anyways, when a, a couple, about three weeks ago, God told me, after he kind of put all this together with the end times with me, I didn't even realize it ran together. He said the most important thing about this 
is like this page here. It's about the praying. So I want to pray today, but if anybody here is having hindrances in your prayer, or you're feeling like you're not understanding how to pray, and maybe you want individual prayer, okay, uh, I, just come up afterwards, okay? But I just think that I, we need to pray over our land, our family. We can't leave anybody out there, you guys. The reason Jesus is so slow to come is because he doesn't want anybody left to perish. So we're co-laborers, and we need to work with him, and it's our job. We have a ministry, and our ministry is to reconcile people to the Father. So our job is to do it. Do it through prayer. Do it through bringing people in. We have a big job out there, and we need to be bringing people in. This is our job. So, um, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this word that you have put upon us. I just want to thank you that, I just want to give you all praise and glory. I just want to thank you that you have shown us that we can look at this with joy, not with fear. That this is a present that you're giving us. That this is our contract that you're fulfilling, that you've already given us. And that you're going to be there for us and you're going to protect us. So we, I just want to pray for our nation and repent for all wrongdoings that we've done, abominations that we've had. Just forgive us, God. I just, you know, I remit sins, and I just thank you and put the blood of Jesus over each and every one of us. I just pray for our, all of our governmental ruling, rulers, and I just, I release any demonic spirits that are coming against our government in any way that you, God, that you are in charge. I pray that you will just, you know, at the coming election, take these spirits out and put people in in a place that are going to follow your will. We just need to trust in you, Lord. And we just thank you, and we just we pray for the governor, all the government that's over of Fort Pierce. I just pray for this, our family members, that we will be bringing people in. I just thank you for this in the name of Jesus. I just pray for each and every person that they will reach out, that they will understand this word. I pray they will take this word home and study it, and, and they'll find a hunger and a passion to know you a hunger and a passion to understand what's going on, that to not walk into fear, but to fear your love and your peace and, and your arm that you put around us for comfort, God. And we just thank you for this in Jesus' name.